This episode is sponsored by Gopher State Tape Library, a 5013C corporation. Established in 1974, the library has been archiving recovery talks of the many 12-step recovery fellowships across the globe. For almost 50 years, these have been distributed worldwide. The library is the only all-volunteer organization doing this work in existence. There are no paid employees. Thousands of downloads, MP3s, and CDs can be obtained at www.gstl.ecwid.com. When I was new, <laughs> it's getting to be a while ago, <laughs> when I was new, I hated this idea of steps. I hated the whole uh, the framework. Of course, I had no information about the framework. I just hated it because it was scary. It represented change. And it's interesting. We've talked about this before. In almost every aspect of our lives, everything is changing all the time. And then some of us, like me, an alcoholic, I get here and my life is burned down. My health is ruined. I've got nowhere to go. I end up in an AA meeting and I start arguing with the only guys that have the solution for what's killing me. I don't like that change. You know, I want to know what the deal is. If I do your steps, if I do your steps, will I like what I change into? Will I be able to keep my personality? Will I be able to keep my sense of humor? Will I be able to commit some... Commit. <laughs> Will I be able to commit some of the things that I always committed and get away with it? <laughs> Will I be able? Will I like what I see? Will I like what comes out the other end of this thing? And the kind of person I am, I'm, I'd like to know what that's going to look like before I do it. I'd like to know what it's going to look like before I do it because um, I'm not sure that I want to sign up for this. The problem is you can't know it before you do it. You can only know it in the doing, not in the talking, not in the reading, not in the studying, not in the going to meetings. You can only do it in the process of those steps. That's where it happens. And uh, so I spent a lot of time in that argument from – in the context of an invitation, here, this book, the big book, is full of promises and invitations. I'll give you an example. It's all promises and invitations. I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it as musts and have-tos, which is rather repugnant to someone who's oppositionally defiant. I don't like must and have-to. And I also got here needing. I needed to do something. I needed to do something different, but need isn't enough. I had to grow to want to do something. I had to grow to want, and that was a process. So uh, this is uh, the way the, uh, the first part of the book ends. We realize we know only little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. That's a promise. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. That's an invitation. The answers will come. That's a promise. If your own house is in order, that's an invitation. Inviting me to get my house in order, whatever the hell that means. But obviously, you can't, can't transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. That's an invitation. 
and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. That's a promise. This is the great fact for us. That's a statement. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. That's an invitation. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. That's an invitation. Clear away the wreckage of your past. That's an invitation. Give freely what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. Statement of fact. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. It's a promise. May God bless you and keep you until then. It's an invitation. It's a promise. It's a statement of fact. So, I have had invitations my whole life, as have all of us. Growing up, I was invited to be a certain kind of boy <laughs> that I rebelled at. I was invited uh, to do certain activities. I was invited to, uh, to be a certain religion. I was invited to have certain beliefs. And they were given to me. Now I get here. I'm invited to tell the truth instead of a lie. Hmm? I'm invited to say yes instead of no. I'm invited to say yes when I mean yes and no when I mean no. I'm invited to ask for help when I stood in silence. I'm invited to smile when fear says run away. I'm invited to practice faith. <laughs> so our invitation comes to us through those steps. Twelve exercises that I practice on a daily basis to put me in the right state of being in order to live a more useful and complete life. So step one, invitation to surrender, invitation to give up, invitation to admit. Surrender is not an event. Surrender is a process. And the process is those 12 steps. I thought surrender was an event. So when I gave up my, my alcohol and my drugs, I thought, there, I've surrendered. We're done now. <coughs> Move on. I have a one-step program, and it's good enough for me. And I quite literally did. The other 11 steps were out of bounds for me because I began this process as an atheist. And I'll report to you my experience of that is an atheist can't do the steps. I had to grow spiritually to agnosticism, <laughs> which is what I did. I became an I don't know. And that was enough. That was enough. So instead of surrender being an event, surrender is a process. That surrender goes on my entire existence. Because anyone in here who's been through the steps more than once knows that all of those ideas and concepts, beliefs that we come in here with are challenged as we go deeper into this process. They change. What I thought was surrender in 1978 is not what I think surrender is today because I've had a bunch of years of surrendering, you know. Step two, invitation to faith. And I, my argument was quite simply, I, I don't have faith and I don't worship and I don't love. I don't have the capacity for any of those. And those of you familiar with the text, uh, the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, know there's a chapter for guys like me called We Agnostics. 
And in there, it challenges that very thing, love, faith, and worship. And I find out that I have been a lover. I've just been a lover of things. I have been a worshiper. It was a worshiper of things. Money, power, prestige will be a nice umbrella to lump all that seedy stuff under. And I did have faith. I had examples of faith. I died. I almost died as a result of my faith in self-reliance. I almost died as a result of my absolute faith in ethyl alcohol. When all else failed, alcohol never failed. It never failed. So, invitation to faith. Step three, invitation to a conscious decision. Whoa, that's a new idea. Conscious? What would that look like? And what I found out in the other steps is I'd never made conscious decisions. I'd made reactions. I reacted to everything. I thought I was deciding things, but it was really you press B3, I sing B3. You do this, I do that. You do this, I do that. It was more like a, a Pavlovian dog experiment than it was a conscious decision. I have no idea what a decision is. Look what it says. I'm supposed to turn my will and my life over the care of God as I understood him. I don't understand God. How do I do that? And they want me to do it consciously. And my experience of consciousness is that it's painful. I don't know for you guys and women, but when I sobered up, everything got worse incrementally for a number of years because I wasn't awake. I wasn't anywhere near awake. And I did the same things sober and quote-unquote recovery that I did drinking. And I, had, I started having other surrenders. <laughs> this doesn't work either. Some of you that drank might remember being able to drink and, and not get drunk. And then sometimes you have one drink and you're smashed. Unpredictable. So I'm, I'm asked to make a conscious decision. I'm invited. Mm. Step four. Now it gets fun. None of this stuff is external. The first three steps are conclusions of my mind that I come to. I'm invited to new ideas. I'm invited to new ways of looking at things. And now that I've made a decision based on uh, my flimsy reasoning that I've shared with you, I'm invited to make lists and do prayers. It's really not hard. I thought it was very hard. That's why I didn't do it. Because my pristine logic said, this is going to hurt. This I will not do. And you can, you can languish. Some people can languish for a long, long, long time and not do this step. They can do everything else in principle, but they can't do this. And this is just a bunch of lists. And they have me look at my resentment, my fears, my harmful behavior to others, my sex conduct, and they ask me to write down. Write it down. Write what down? What did they do that pissed you off? <laughs> Let me tell you what they did. Not hard. The other thing that you'll find when you do this is no surprises. I didn't write down anything I didn't know. I wrote down a few things I didn't remember till I was making my list, but there was no surprises in that. There were no surprises at all. What do they do? This is what they did. How... 
How did it affect you? This is how it affected me. Right? How did I respond? This is how I responded. It's the first time ever. It's the first time ever I got to look at how I saw the world. It's the first time ever. That's a wake-up experience. Depending on how resistant you are will determine how much you wake up. But it's a, it's a consciousness-raising exercise. It doesn't feel like it at the time. It feels painful, you know? Um, it kind of uh, confirmed one of my biggest fears, which is that I was really not a guy, nice guy, that I was really broken. I was mean. I was evil. I was uh, unredeemable. That was my impression of my impression. So I'm invited to make these lists. I'm invited to do these prayers. I'm invited to come to some conclusions. Resentment doesn't work as a way of life because it binds me to my judgment. And that judgment resides only in the past. I'm screwed. <laughs> Ask me to come to a conclusion around fear. And the conclusion is, is that I've absolutely had no faith. It says God rely on herself reliant. <laughs> You didn't have to ask me twice. There was no God. Help me see. There was no God. But there is no God, right? I'm an atheist. Well, no, no, I'm an agnostic. So I believe you have a God. But I don't think I have one. I'm not sure. I believe there's a power, and it's restored you to something useful. But I don't believe that that power is available to me yet. But I've, I've, I've uh, become willing to believe that the possibility exists. So I'm invited to some new ways of looking at things. I'm invited to some new ideas. It never occurred to me um, that self-reliance, the failure of my self-reliance was the problem. And when you read the stories in the book, when you read Bill's story and Jim and Fred and all those guys, it never occurred to them that lack of power was the problem because all of them had the same idea. And even when the doctor shared his stories about the two desperate guys that had already decided they were hopeless and they recovered, even those guys, even those guys, they all thought they had the same problem. If you could just tell me how I can improve my willpower, how I can sharpen this thing up, then I'm willing to try something. And willpower is exactly the wrong, is exactly the problem. My, my problem was lack of willpower. I had an excess of willpower. It takes willpower to do what I did over and over for days, weeks, months, and years. It takes willpower to get up when your kidneys won't let you get out of bed and slam some whiskey on top of that so you can function. That takes willpower. It takes willpower to humiliate yourself and get up and do that again. Telling myself, this is going to be different. It'll be different. Lack of willpower was not my problem. My problem was I had no application. I had no useful application of my will. That's my thinking. During my will in my life, that's my thinking and my actions. I had no idea. I had not a clue. I thought I was weak because my willpower had failed me. No, my willpower had almost killed me. Wasn't weak at all. Wasn't weak at all. <laughs> so, fifth step, <laughs> invitation to honesty, invitation to reveal. 
I don't like that idea. I do not like that idea. It's hard enough to get in front of the stuff. Now you want me to tell someone. So the ego kicks in. What does it say? <laughs> don't go there. Why? Because you're going to end up in jail or the hospital. You know? And or I guess the most common fear is that when I tell you my stuff, you're going to say, get out of here. You are filthy. You are evil. You're an evildoer. I mean, that was what was going on in the back of my head. I only did it on necessity. I didn't do it out of anything else. I did it because you said I had to do it. Now I had an experience sitting with another human being, and if you've listened to Fifth Steps, or if you've <laughs> done a Fifth Step, you probably had this experience. We get done with this long conversation, which is usually between four and eight hours, and uh, we get done with this conversation, and then the guy looks at you after you've just laid it all out there, we take a couple breaths, and we sit quietly, and he says, so what aren't you going to tell me? Woo-woo. How did he know that? Now I'm thinking, which of the things should I tell him that I wasn't going to tell anyone? I got four or five. You know, I'll throw this one out. You know, the one with the one that's already um, exceeded the statute of limitations. And uh, you throw it out. And a funny thing happens. They usually throw one of theirs out. Or they laugh. I hate that. They giggle. And uh, it, 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 it's not a comfortable feeling. I'm thinking, you know, I've been carrying around this, this around for years, and I finally get up enough guts to throw it out here, and you go, mm, how about this? Go, Whoa, you are sick. <laughs> and I'm starting to feel pretty good about myself because I'm back to that little alcoholic perspective. Well, at least I'm not that bad. <laughs> you know, but this is really one of the most intimate moments in my early sobriety. This is really the first time I sit across from another human being and do my best job at bringing the truth about my perceptions and my actions to another person, laying it right out there, and it's the first time I get identification at depth. And this person shares back with me, and I'm going, man, you're an evildoer too. This is wonderful, you know? And I leave there, and... I didn't have a great wow pow experience with that fourth and fifth exercise, but I was really impressed with the guy I did the step with. I was really impressed that he was willing to drag some of that junk out for me, to display for me. You know, I've been there too. I've been there too. In fact, I've been a little past there. Let me show you what that looks like, you know? And I'm going, man, I don't know it. But one of the things going on here is trust. I've trusted, and my trust has been responded to with more trust. The other reason that he can do that is because he's no longer a slave to it. That's one of the promises. Invitation to be free of my past. Invitation. Damn. So, six and seven, invitation to prepare to let go, invitation to become God-reliant, invitation to give myself to this power, whatever it is, words, thoughts, and deeds, 
invitation to be aware that I'm unwilling to give up. There's a line in that seventh step. It says, is there something you still cling to? And I'm thinking, how did they know that? But I wasn't even aware of it. I thought I just, yeah, God can have it all. Good and bad, that's what it says, yep. <laughs> Fine. But I'm thinking, I'll decide what's good and bad. And I had some sacred cows. I had some, I had some things I was clinging to. And it says, become aware of that. Invitation to become aware of what you still cling to. I like money. I like sex. I think I'll cling to those. I didn't know I was clinging to it. I just thought I'd deal with this drinking thing. And my approach to this process was, you know, how good do you really have to do this? How good do I really have to be to feel okay? So that's an important part in that seventh step. Is there something you still cling to? There always is. In my experience, there always is. For me, there was, and for every fifth step I've heard, there is. There's always something we cling to. We don't always know what it is. But we will know it by the fruit it bears down the road. Because you can't escape it. I can't escape any area of my life that is not treated with the steps. Because that means it will be treated with my ego. And if it's treated with my ego, that means it will always get worse. Eventually, it will inflame to the point where I have to surrender it. So you can either surrender it all or you can do it piece by piece. But if you stay, you'll end up giving it up or adjusting it. Step eight, invitation to sit again more clearly in front of the harms and the actions that I've employed that have harmed others. Doesn't feel like an invitation when you're doing it. Doesn't feel comfortable. <laughs> invitation to address those I've harmed to get right with my past. Step nine. Invitation to be honest. Be forthright. Get clean. Step 10, invitation to watch my thinking. Watch your thinking. Invitation to perseverance. Mm. In this process, I get free of guilt, shame, blame, my past, depression, I get free. Step 11, invitation to commune with the power, prayer and meditation, invitation to practice, invitation to practice intuition, a hunch. Step 12 is an inter invitation to practice God-like principles in my life, invitation to be something different. I want to read you something uh, that's not by a <laughs> that's not by a drunk. This is a thing I found a bunch of years ago. It's called the invitation it's by a woo-woo, a woman named Oriah Mountain Dreamer. <laughs> I found her when I was straight. <laughs> But I like this invitation. Doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for and if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing. Doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you'll risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, 
for the adventure of being alive. Doesn't interest me what planets are square in your moon. I want to know if you've touched the center of your own sorrow. If you've been opened by life's betrayals or have become shriveled and closed from fear or further pain. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. I want to know if you can be with joy, mine or your own, if you can dance with wildness and let the ecstasy fill fill you to the tips of your fingers and toes without cautioning us to be careful, be realistic. Remember the limitations of being human. doesn't interest me if the story you're telling me is true. I want to know if you can disappoint another to be true to yourself, if you can bear the accusation of betrayal and not betray your own soul, if you can be faithless and therefore trustworthy. I want to know if you can see beauty even when it's not pretty every day, and if you can source your own life from its presence. I want to know if you can live with failure, yours and mine, and still stand at the edge of the lake and shout to the silver full moon, yes. doesn't interest me to know where you live or how much money you have. I want to know if you can get up after the night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone, and do what needs to be done to feed the children. doesn't interest me who you know or how you came to be here. I want to know if you will stand in the center of the fire with me and not shrink back. It doesn't interest me where or what or with whom you've studied. I want to know what sustains you from the inside when all else fails. I want to know if you can be alone with yourself and if you truly like the company you keep in empty moments. The invitation is to God, is to the oneness, is to goodness, whatever metaphor you use for your higher power. The invitation is to grow towards that. And it's an invitation not for a better life. It's not an invitation for relief. It's an invitation for a new life. Absolutely new life. New episodes of The Gathering are published twice a month and can be found on Spotify and other major podcast apps. You can follow The Gathering on Spotify and others to receive monthly notifications of new episodes.